0: Welcome back to a brand new episode of Tea with Janae. I'm your host, Janae Kirshner of Brooklyn View Photography, and I'm so excited to have you guys here. Tea with Janae is where we give real advice, tangible tips, and thoughtful insight about what it's really like to be a wedding photographer. So I'm really excited for this week's episode because we have a new guest. His name is Patrick Lee, who happens to be the first male guest on the show, and um, we met at the Hybrid Co. this earlier this year in Tennessee Nashville Tennessee and I'm a big fan of his work and my friend went to his workshop so I was really intrigued to meet him and we chatted for a bit and after talking I asked him if he would come on the show and he said yes so here we are so a little bit about Patrick is that he's been a film photographer for over 10 years in Southern California he documents weddings families and portraits And over the last few years, he's become an educator and created the modern film photography workshop called Apollo workshops. And to preface this conversation is that I'm actually attending his workshop later this year in Baltimore, which you'll hear about more in the show, and I really can't wait. Me as a hybrid wedding photographer shooting film and digital, I have really started to push myself to experiment. And explore using film with flash and using it more in my reception work. And even just every day, um, you know, knowing the tools to make me a better photographer. So I'm really pumped for his class and I'm super excited that you guys get to meet him today on the show. I think you're really gonna pick up some good tips, some philosophy. Um, It is a long conversation. We did chat for a long time. So, you know, definitely stay till the end because if you do, Tea listeners get a little bit of a bonus and a treat for his workshop, so you have to listen. A few things before we begin. I'm thrilled to announce that coaching is live. Um, You can now book a one-on-one coaching call with me directly, which is so exciting. Um, I give you personalized, detailed advice for your needs and your concerns, and I'm able to help business owners with their photography business which is really really exciting and i can't wait to help you move forward in your business so there are limited sessions each month and you can visit www.tvjanae.com to learn more also i know you're listening to this on your phone hopefully or on your computer and i would love for you to leave us a review on apple Podcasts or whichever platform you're listening on and let people know that you'd like the show This will help new listeners find us, and I would really appreciate your kind words. Be sure to visit us at www.teamidjanae.com to read our latest blog post, join our newsletter, and our super fun Facebook group. So grab a cup of tea and enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm so excited to have you here. We've got a great guests today. I have Patrick on the line. Say hi. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited you're here.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah. So um, before we begin, let's tell everybody a little bit about you, your company, and how you started your business.
1: Oh, okay. Um, well, um, my company is just simply my name, Patrick Lee Photography. And I also have another company, Apollo, World, which caters to, uh, uh, many of our peers in our industry, um, and teaching them more, I'd say like intermediate level, um, film photography concepts, um, and also, you know, trying to keep that fine art prettiness aesthetic, uh, in line with all the other workshops too, but just, you know, delivering a little bit more of, uh, of an elevated sense of education, um. And uh, so let's see, how did I get started in this? Oh my gosh. Um, I guess I graduated um, I graduated from UCI with a degree in um, biology and a, mi- and a minor in business. And this is like years before they, they implemented like a accounting and business uh, major. Because if they had that at the time that I was going to school, um, I would have totally done that because I totally love business and I totally love just you know the independent thinking that um a entrepreneur you know has and um so unfortunately uh you know being asian you have parents that like want you to go into a field of career that is very typical either you know accounting attorney or doctor and um we have plenty of physicians in my family <laughs> and i never i never was like we don't need another doctor we need someone who knows things about business and so I definitely leaned on that for sure and um went right into like sales outside sales for about 5 years after college and then that hit right into the uh great recession mm-hmm. and um I happened to be selling a product in, in an industry directly related to <laughs> what caused the the big you know recession uh in a nutshell and I it was weird because the product that we were selling kind of told me early on like hey you you got to get out of this business because you're not going to have any customers to sell to (laughs) very soon. So I ended up quitting and almost like trying to like survive on my own, just, you know, um, not having a very normal job, which you can rely on or any real severance. You know, I was working on commission and, um, and so at the time I transitioned quickly into finance and um, learned how to trade myself and got the attention of a a hedge fund. You know, this is like a really long winded story about how I got into the (laughs) dog. But um, so for, for another five years, uh, it feels like, um, yeah, roughly I just hunkered down and I'm a very like technically analytical person and, um, it, it, I guess it's easy for me to just kind of like really just, you know, put the blinders on and just dive deep into something that's just like the most like abstract and complex kind of thing that you can dive into. Um, and my parents hate that because they're just like, you just take the hardest routes in life. But, and I think that's kind of like my passion of going into figuring out how to do things with flash and film, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you tell me I can't do it. I'll figure out how to do it. So um, doing the whole finance thing for a good five years and um, really just drove me like crazy. I, in, throughout high school and early college, I had a very um, artistic kind of path that I really wanted to follow. And I dropped that to, you know, appease the parents wants for me to stay in academia and, try to you know go down the pre-medical pathway and it's weird because like no matter you know you have a strong burning and calling as somebody who's creative and the more you try to run away from that the more it just pulls you back in so you know 10 years later it just pulled me back into a side of art that um, I found that you know you got to make money somehow (laughs) and (laughs) photography happens to be the the thing that did it you know and uh, my now wife her mom at the time when we were dating asked me to photograph her sister's wedding. And that's kind of how I got into that. But, you know, I really went into photography in general just because I needed an escape from um, the trading desk and the prop life. And um, that, yeah, just all that, all that madness during the time of um, complete uncertainty, you know, about our economy um, and having to, you know, navigate the waters there um, really took a toll on, you know, me in terms of just the emotional um volatility that you have to deal with on a daily basis for sure so photography was definitely um a like a therapy for me you know like I never really look at it as a job you know when you're sitting behind a computer editing like hundreds of photos then it's a job right but um you know otherwise like really interacting with people and um really connecting back with humanity I felt was just more therapy for me and I was more than happy to do it so that's kind of how I you know dove into doing photography. And, um, you know, there's definitely been a number of influences of people um, that kind of really spurred my interest in doing weddings for some weird reason. Ben, um, <laughs> I think as a, as a guy, I don't know if you really just kind of jump into it and be like, I want to do weddings, you know, but um, before, uh, before college, I was actually trying to apply for um, uh, art school in several genres, like one of which was Parsons for fashion and um, another one would be a uh, school of visual arts in New York. So that's I, I did come from a very, oh, did you really? Yeah. No way. Yeah. You
0: yeah, graduated that's from there. That's
1: so cool. Yeah. So I, I, they wanted me to do fine art and I'm just like, I don't want to be poor, you know, what? like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no, you, you have that in your portfolio. And I'm like, can I just do like digital arts? Cause that's kind of what, you know, I can kind of make money doing, you know? And so like, long story short, and it's already been a long story, but long, <laughs> longer story shorter, um, you know, my dad and I were just totally, like, butted heads, and he's just like, yeah, I didn't think you could do academics anyways, you could just be a starving artist, and that really, like, lit a fire under my ass, and so, you know, like, going back again, you tell me I can't do something, I'm gonna prove you wrong, so I totally, um, I for- I, there was two art scholarships that I got accepted to, and I totally declined that, went back to academics and then went into um the whole biology pre-med pathway um and then through that entire process you know proved my dad that I can actually make it (laughs) to go into the into that into that um you know path and then just found business and that was kind of like really what um you know really interested me and at the same time I it was weird like I had a uh, a tattoo business out of my dorm room at UCI. Oh my gosh. Um, That was pretty, that was pretty uh, busy. And I had a lot of upset clients that I had to leave on, uh, you know, hanging because I ended up getting a real job after college. Um, so, you know, I've always kind of held art close to my heart in some form or, or another. And as much as I try to run away from it and do other things that are more adult, Um, you just kind of come back to it in some manner and so this is where we're at today
0: yeah that's awesome no your story is very similar to to not it has similarities where it took me a long time to go back to what I loved which was photography and Mm -hmm. I went to school for graphic design but I worked oh cool um I worked in IT for 10 years like in like the soul-sucking thing and then the Twenty, you know 2008 was the crash of the recession and I was like what am I doing with my life and (laughs) yeah and then I just went I went back to SVA for school for photography and I was like okay this is it
1: wow so
0: it's so funny how you want to go there and I was like oh that's where I graduated from yeah
1: it's crazy they're they're just like yeah we want you to go here can you just do fine art? Cause like you'll rock at it. And I'm just like, no, like, oh, alright. Like, <laughs> I would love to if someone's going to pay me, but I don't see it. Actually, so. <laughs> I love that. You know,
0: well, yeah. I'm super excited for today and to talk about, you know, how to work with artificial light and how to bring that into your photography. And I love that you have said, you know, a few, few times already that you, someone says you can't do it and you're like, I'm going to figure out how to do it. And I yeah. love that you got over the fear of using flash. I feel like everybody kind of has that when they start. So, for like yeah. people listening, um, you know, how do you start incorporating flash into your photography? Like, li- like, just yeah, how would you begin?
1: You know, it's it's um it, it's a difficult thing to talk about because uh, you know what people think about um, how you know it, it kind of derives from their from what they call their brand, you know, what their brand aesthetic is, and how it's identified and. of the time, they're always going to be like, oh, well, you know, I need to show consistency in my work. And if I show things that are not uh, consistent in terms of more contrast or it's not super light and airy, I'm just never going to show it, you know? And I feel like, yeah, you can do that, but you're focusing more some, like, you know, if we're talking about, you know, specifically a very niche um, area of Of photography. Right. You know what I mean? And you really gotta, you really have to, you know, showcase those things because that's all that that genre is about. Then that totally makes sense. But unfortunately, in the wedding industry and on a wedding day in particular, when it relates to clients, their wedding day spans the entire day. You know, it's just not all about what happens during when the sun's out. Exactly. Um, you know, there's a lot of mood, there's a lot of context that you have to pay attention to. And, you know, every client's different, you know, to a large degree. Um, You come across so so many different cultures, you have so many different, you know, expectations of what they feel is a good production, you know, when when there isn't natural light. So it's like, I think I feel many photographers lost um, motivation, and just ambition, because it's not Something that they're in line of wanting to show because they say that it's not part of their brand aesthetic, but the reality is that it has to be a part of their brand if they want to get booked because clients are more savvy now they want to see what their relationship what their reception photos look like, and they better be good you know that you can't just point the flash directly at your clients and expect to get away with saying that well, you can rock it during the daytime, but you suck at night, <laughs> you know like i you know, it's like there's there's a big disconnect there. So if you really want to say that you want to be consistent with your brand, you really got to know how to light elegantly when, when there is no natural light. You know, and I think people just kept on saying, oh, you know, I'm a natural light photographer. I don't use flash. And more often than not, when you kind of do a little bit more of investigation, it's just a matter of that they're not really understanding how to use flash rather than them claiming that they're just strictly natural light photographers, you know. So when I looked at the whole thing, I think it kind of went back to a lot of people making that claim and I kind of called BS on it in my own head, you know? And, and so I kept on asking myself, well, you know, like, why is it that they hate flash so much? And then what really is the issues there? And, you know, I think a lot of them just really want to continue having a certain aesthetic that is just um, conveying very soft light, you know, not necessarily that it's natural light, they just want soft light. They just want it to be romantic and very feminine and so, you know, I totally understand that. And there's always a way to do it. And so it's just a matter of, of, you know, understanding the techniques that are available to you, using the certain tools that are available to you. And then, you know, obviously kind of tailoring it down to the tools that you're actually going to use to get that end result, you know. And um, so it's a difficult question for sure to answer. It's not that easy. I know it's some people would think that, oh, it's just really easy to, to question to answer. Like, how do you, how do I get involved with starting to use Flash? You know, I, I, I'm, I very much cater, you know, I came from a sales background as well out of college. So I pay attention to what my clients needs are, you know, and what is part of their personalities. And in that type of kind of uh, description, I call that part of my brand aesthetic, you know, so it does, it does vary wildly visually, but what it really boils down to is I totally try to embody like the personalities of my clients in my work rather than the other way around where they're going to have to just accept something that I you know like visually right you know mm-hmm. and so to, to a certain degree there are things that I will definitely do because I think it's visually more superior than other things but at the end of the day I do want to you know prioritize what you know the personalities of my clients first and foremost and so that's what's going to help me make a decision on how I decide to like that's my long-winded answer to that but (laughs) to be a little bit more succinct i think that you know if you think about um when 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 the when the sun goes down and there is mood and there is context and there is romance and there is mystery and there is you know just fun and party like all those things should be conveyed accordingly you know like you're not just going to come in there where you know like if you uh, if you just happen to be shooting at a very very dark place and it's just all candlelit you know maybe maybe lighting isn't just like it isn't the right type of thing to incorporate maybe you want to convey that mood and so you might shoot a little bit more naturally and it's even possible to do that with uh with film by the way um it's just a matter of knowing how to rate it and whatnot but anyways apart from that you know um Likewise, on the other hand, on the other side, on the flip side, people who are just like, oh, I just need I need all the skin tones to really show. It's like, well, why you have tungsten lights, you have candlelight, you know, like all those things lend to the colors and mood to of of the imagery. You know, why do you want to remove all that just to prioritize skin tones? You already did that during the daytime with natural light. You don't really need to do that at nighttime. You know what I mean? So a lot of it is just a shift in people's philosophy about what is acceptable to them and why it makes sense for that imagery to exist in their portfolio and actually should be a part of their brand, you know, rather than completely excluding that and just thinking that they need need to get God in there to blast the entire light and (laughs) fill in every single amount of shadows in in the reception. It just doesn't make sense. You know, like there are times where it does and there are times where it doesn't. So like you kind of take it as it, as it comes and um, really think hard about like, you know, the end result of the look that you want to deliver because it's what's in line about what your clients expect, you know?
0: Um, yeah. So that's kind
1: of, yeah. And
0: not so. to interrupt you, but what I, no, no, no. what I love, um, is what you said, um, uh, about, you know, you can be awesome during the day and you can totally suck at night. And I, I have to tell you that, you know, I send full galleries to people that are inquiring with me before they book because I want them to see, you know, beginning to end and people will say, Oh, your reception work looks so beautiful. Or, you know, it felt really natural and for me, that's really important. Like I fine tuned that over the years. But I have definitely had people um, hire me just for my reception work that they That's amazing. That they yeah. said, because it's New York so I'm in New York City, your West Coast, and everything is super dark here, like black ceilings, black walls. And mm-hmm. you and you need to know what to do. Like if you right. if you want to work, like you can't like you said, blast them in the face with, with your flash. Like you, you need to develop your own style. And I, I yeah. love hearing that
1: yeah for sure yeah so um, what about
0: so like film so film and digital like you're a film mm-hmm. photographer and you shoot you shoot both right
1: i shoot both but primarily it's weird um with the whole advent of newer technology these days i'm like making a small shift towards shooting a little more digital just because it's a little bit more you know um uh, cost, cost effective, effective. Yeah. right <laughs> but now there, there are things out there a friend of mine um uh, it you know has created something that allows us to make those files look really close to you know film so you know it depends on the budget of the clients and whether or not you know they're paying my you know the full uh the full the full collection so that i can afford to shoot all film uh and be you know it's weird like i'm so slow with the digital camera after shooting film for these for all these years and just you know manually focusing very quickly and just being one with that film camera um i pick up a digital camera and just like there's so many bells and whistles and I am so slow. Like it's it, yeah. Even with because I'm just so slow and I'm just like, this is not like, I'm not used to this anymore. You know, yeah. like I want to go back to film, but then also it's the whole cost factor too. So, um, but yeah, like, um, uh, I, I do shoot digital whenever I kind of need to just for either, um, uh, depending on the collection or whether it's for the, um, um, uh, uh, certain things like just super fast movements where, you know, um, I may not have my second there at the time. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So um, usually my second shooter is all um, kind of dig- digitally backing me up and also shooting film. And then I'm almost 100% film from the beginning of the day to probably halfway through the reception. Oh, that's yeah. cool.
0: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like when you light it with flash, like if we just focus on the reception part, you know, like what are like, is there a difference how you would meter or expose for digital with flash for, versus fit uh film
1: with flash well digital with flash is super easy you just you know you take a few test shots and i think after a few uh, like after a while right um you you work in similar venues that have probably the same working distances from where your lights are to where your subjects are being lit um you know what type of ambient light you're really working with and it's not going to interfere too much with the look of your flash so you can almost you know repeat those settings at every single wedding that you do and then just double check the look of it on your, on the back of your LCD of your digital camera, you know, and tweak things here and there. And that's pretty much the easiest way to go about it. You know, like uh, I, I have all my, I, I never shoot TTL. No, you know, like ever. ever. So, um <laughs> like, go so, away. <laughs> right. And, and then, so, you know, with, with knowing what your manual settings are going to be on your camera and on your flash um, and, you know, distances of where you place those things and whatever look that you want to have. Um you can just repeat them all the time without much fail, you know, um as long as as long as hopefully like one of the flashes doesn't crap out for some reason in this fire. Totally. And you know, you're you're going to be fine. With film is a, it's a little bit challenging because the way that I would approach to shooting flash with film may not be the same way that I would set it up for digital. And and that sounds kind of weird. It just I feel like when I want to pay more attention to um, just shooting film in general, like it's a matter of just getting like the right exposure, at least what I call you have to meet a certain exposure threshold to have a working negative. Um, And I shoot, um, I, I do shoot um, color film at uh, at night as well. Um, And actually more so than I do black and white. Um, And so my, my point there really is to say, okay, well, if you can expose Uh, Portra 400 properly at night then black and white's a piece of cake you know because you have much more of uh, higher ISO ranges with black and white than you do with uh, Portra you know with the color ISOs right uh, like the C41 stocks so you know it's a um, let's see here yeah so so the way that I would go about it is just you know it's a tough question to ask yeah I'm it's like I want to tell you like how the setup would be in this scenario. And then I want to tell you how the setup would be in that scenario. Like each venue that I come across, whether you have ceilings or whether it's like, you know, um, under, you know, market lights and there's nothing to bounce light off of, it's going to be different each time. Yeah, You know what I mean? So it just depends on what you're most accustomed to working with. And then we, you know, whichever venue that might be, we can talk about like, you know, how, 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 how you would set up, set up for that. But, um,
0: And and testing, right? And testing it out, like for sure. Seeing, you know, practice makes perfect.
1: (laughs) Right. I mean, like honestly, it's like, do you want to look where you want to have more softer light, so you're, you know, you need to balance and you get a, you have a much larger spread, or do you not mind that more dramatic look that's got a little bit more, um, of a harsher rim light, you know? And are you using that more as context to show the photography of your subjects that you're shooting? You know what I mean? Or do you need to have like perfect skin tones and have like a three point lighting setup? Like those are all questions you have to answer first before you can decide on, um, you know, how you go about trying to figure out how to expose it correctly. You know, like that's yeah, I, I always like, OK, go into a go into a venue, find out the biggest problems that you have to conquer first and then um, start from there. Like build your foundation from there. Don't just walk in and say this is what I'm going to do. And then just repeat it every single time. You know what I mean? Like, there's always a a way to kind of, you know, get a certain look. And it all comes down to identifying what your lighting philosophy is uh, per situation that you come across. And that's a big thing that way I talk about in the workshops is like, you know, I'm not just going to tell you what the the settings are. Um, That's super easy to do. You know, like um, that just doesn't allow you to think. I want you to be a, a better photographer by becoming a better critical thinker.
0: I love Um, that. That's so good to hear.
1: Yeah. And so I'll teach you all the foundations about how to get to those answers, but you have to work through those, through those processes yourself, because the more experience that you have working through those processes, it just allows you to tackle anything that you come across in the future without asking me for help, you know? Um, And that's the idea is that it's, you know, I think so many other, so many other workshops in the past, I feel, and I'm going to rag on them for a second, is... (laughs) You know, you you go out and you buy Jose's uh, fine art wedding photography book, you know, oh, he tells you to rate 400H at 200 ISO. Okay, I'm just going to go and repeat that and teach all the film newbies that that's how you shoot film. That's how you shoot 400H. Let alone talking about Kodak film, you know, or black and white. That's really the basis of what they're regurgitating every single time to their new film students. And it's like, okay, I mean, super simple. You just copy those settings. You know what I mean? Right. But how, like, do you want to do that the same way in more harsher light when you have a little bit more, you know, more contrast between, you know, uh, different zones and, you know, from the zone system? Like, you know, we I actually go through all of those technicals. So no matter what situation you're thrown into, you know how to tackle it. You know how to troubleshoot. And that's super important. And I feel like a lot of people get very discouraged because they're like, oh, well, I see these beautiful photos and this beautiful light. Why can't I get the same results? And they're just basically copying settings and applying that as a blanket, you know, uh, repeated thing across every situation they come across. And, you know, film does have flexibility, but it doesn't have like as much flexibility as people would hope, right? You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, and you can totally um, mess it just, up just like,
0: too.
1: <laughs> yeah, just and, and I mean, and just like digital too. You know what I mean? Like it's just one one solution doesn't answer everything. You know, so exactly. you really do have to be a critical thinker, honestly. Yeah. And I feel people just don't. They just want answers quickly, and they don't want to think for themselves. So, I do force people to like completely just. I mean, after the three days, it's a lot of information. It's like drinking water out of a fire hose. You know. <laughs> um, <laughs> It, it uh, now really I know is. what I'm
0: getting into
1: <laughs> yeah no and you're gonna be like okay I need I need a couple moments to just kind of yeah. you know get some calories in me kind of <laughs> recharge it <to laughs> add, and okay we'll tackle the next concept oh, that's but so funny. yeah so I'm I have a very like when I come down and look at like a lot of different things especially in finance we had analyzed all these different numbers and values and you know price levels and all these things of, uh, um, and then put it together. It's like baking a very complex cake, you know, and you have to do it very quickly and in, in real time. That's kind of the way I I work when at weddings. It's like this little thing is kind of throwing me off. I'm gonna make this small adjustment, and then that'll give me the result that I'm looking for, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it's um you're constantly scanning for opportunities to, to you know create a, a final image and you know finally thinking what that end result is. I think is what kind of keeps you on your toes. Of how to best achieve that and sometimes with fast moving things at receptions you don't have a moment to just kind of test you just got to like flow with it and you the more experience you have you just have a better um um you know the next time you come around you have a um you're just more well equipped to handle things quicker and more accurately right yeah so it is about practice for sure so you know um i know like when i first started it's like well like, you, you can shoot film, like, you know, back in the day before, before, uh, before digital came out, people shot film at receptions, like, wh- why is it such a mystery? You know, <laughs> right. it, it it shouldn't be really, it's just a matter of knowing, like, what tools they used to use, and then seeing what their lighting philosophies were. And I think, Back then, it was just a matter of just get light in there. Who cares what it looks <laughs> like, you know?
0: <laughs> totally. Oh yeah, my parents' um, pictures are crazy. They're so funny. Yeah, and the way and, they dress you know too, so bad. And
1: and there there is still like a classic charm to that look, you know. And, like I I'm not opposed to direct flash, honestly, especially if you're if you're trying to convey a certain um, uh, a, you know a certain feeling um, of nostalgia because of you know uh, something that you know, you enjoyed when you were younger. Like I remember back in the day when we used to go to um, our first experiences out of high school, going to clubs, you know what I mean? I would bring my film camera and then uh, my joy was literally finding drunks dancing on the dance floor, literally like their drinks were spilt all over their shirts and (laughs) they're just looking like a sloppy mess and trying to hit on the girls next to them who are totally just blowing them off. Like I would capture those photos. I swear to God, I need to go back into the archives and find those photos. Oh, that would be fun they literally gave me so much joy laughing to to myself at the photos that I took. And like, I think that's kind of where this whole thing derived from with flash and film at receptions. Um, But it was just, it was direct flash. And it was just, you know, those, those very, um, you know, in your face, kind of like photos of just this hot mess, you know, of what's happening in front of your face. And it does tell a great story, you know, and for some reason it was, you know, that's what happened in the 90s and, and early 2000s. And, you know, um, that's what I remember about that look when I see that kind of like aesthetic, Right. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, you know, if your clients are partiers, and they totally rage in Vegas, like every other weekend, it's okay to have that kind of a look, even though you feel like I need to be super fine art and romantic, you know, like, your clients are partiers, they want to have fun, they want to remember something that was really enjoyable. And I feel like, you know direct flash is totally cool you know it's just a matter of how you execute it and and um, there are little things that you know i prefer things to look instead of just pointing the flash directly at the clients and then just going away with it so you know there's yeah it's so deconstructing these things because you know you think about imagery that gave you a feeling from the past that made you feel good you know in some way and you want to also share that with the people that you were, you know you're working for. I think that's part of the big reason of how you go and determine what type of lighting setup you want to go with.
0: Definitely. Yeah, yeah. and I, you know, I so going like the complete opposite like your work like I love you make your flash re- look like uh natural light and I feel like that is so like that's um, incredible. You know, you post these pictures like you guys have to check out his Instagram feed like the before and afters where it looks like it's daylight and it's it's freaking it's so black it's so dark in you know, the before and i'm like whoa like i need to learn how to do that like it's just so incredible like you know it is oh, yeah, it, yeah. it is possible to make your flash look like natural light
1: oh totally yeah yeah no i mean you're basically just creating a window and you know and and it's weird, like, so I'm from SoCal, right? And everyone is so jealous of our light. Oh, yeah. Just like, no matter where you shoot, even all the studios here, there's plenty of natural daylight in order to just have very soft, natural light and yada, yada, yada. Okay, well, you know, and unfortunately, with the whole, you know, advent of, of social media and being able to connect with people all from all over the country and all over the world and hearing how much they hate their light where they live... <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like i don't get it like you, you guys don't have beautiful sunlight like this you ever. live in a bubble <laughs> right no totally and so i'm just like well okay well let's answer questions for them because i don't see no one else answering those questions yeah. and so it made me think it's like okay well how how can how can we how can we make natural light uh na- artificial light look natural for them being stuck you know sandra cone is is one of the photographers who has really been a big pioneer in in our industry in the film industry at least a uh, uh, film photography industry in using and staying true to using film you know with artificial light and she's she shoots in the studio um and so uh, that's primarily her big body of work but you know she's creating light that looks very very beautiful you know beautiful and natural as well very soft soft kind of light and the reality is that she's, she's in Seattle, you know what I mean? She doesn't, she's not very, doesn't have much access to, you know, that golden pre-light, that, uh, that warm light that we have down here. So, um, and if you're indoors anyways, you know, sometimes you're just having like way too much darkness, depending on where you're situated in, you know, your home or studio or whatever the case may be. Where the sun is shining through or indirectly shining through the window is just not intense enough for you to shoot film. You know, so um, in in that in that regard, we have to amplify the light somehow, in order to get those proper exposures. Otherwise, you're just going to be tripoding it for the entire session, and you know, kids aren't going to sit still for a quarter of a second exposure. So, um, uh, you know, like my my process of thinking was like, well, how do I answer this for everyone else who doesn't have what I have here? You know, like uh, I'm also the type of person that's like. Oh, you know, California is great and everything, but it's really expensive to live here, and it's it's probably not not worth having the natural light like the way that we have <laughs> here. So, um, you guys aren't missing much, okay? So don't 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 stress about it. But now now that you now that you're not in California and you are where you are, here's how you get the same exact look. You know, using artificial light, especially, you know, w- um, if you are just stuck with clouds and you just need to have a much more um, area aesthetic and knowing that you're able to. Handhold, you know, at one of 125th, 125th a second, and still be able to get very well exposed, um, you know, film. Yeah, so, I love that. Um, yeah, that's kind of my prerogative of doing that. Even though I don't really need it down here, I, I'm, I, my thinking was, how do I do it? F- how do I help everyone else around the country get the same kind of? Don't
0: thing? rub it in, Patrick. Yeah.
1: No, <laughs> I mean. Honestly, it's really not as good as you guys think. No, I know. It's so crowded, and there's the traffic that you have to deal oh, yeah. with. And, yeah.
0: No, I love Sandra. Yeah. I actually um, took her course uh, earlier this year, and that was, like, mind-blowing to me. And I got, like, the gear recommendations, and I did some tests with film and flash, and I was blown away for my newborn, like, family work how I was like, oh, my God, this is so easy. Mm-hmm. And,
1: right. you know, it's just yeah.
0: you need somebody – to teach you and to show you right. because if you don't understand, you know, like in a way that pro- you can process, I feel like everyone's a different learner. So for yeah. me, I'm a visual learner. Like I didn't do well mm-hmm. in school, but I am, a, you know, an artist. Like I can process things. I can remember things if I see them once. So, so watching her class one time, I was like, Oh, okay. I got this. And like, just did it. So I think it's really helpful.
1: Right. Yeah. No. Yeah, totally. Um. It, it's like, uh, um you know in school i was i was definitely needing to see things too you know what i mean but if you force me to like read through a textbook from the beginning to end i'll do that i'll process it but then it's also about experimentation and applying what you're learning you know exactly so um that's definitely that said that that definitely holds true for sure yeah Yeah.
0: so so people who are listening and they have their flash and they're, you know, getting excited, like, oh yeah, we're gonna try all this stuff. Do you have any um, gear or like modifier recommendations that you absolutely love? Um,
1: yeah, I there, you know, it, it all. It, I think it, it, it. That's a hard question to answer because so many people have different needs of of gear based on whether they travel, on whether they're indoors or whether they're outdoors. Um, and you know, my, my philosophy isn't about, okay, well, just because we're outdoors with the sun high up in the air, um, that I'm going to overpower the sun with high speed sync at that point, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I, I hate to use the word, but I do have more of a feel for that, um, uh, fine art film wedding type of aesthetic, um, and no one in their right mind in their industry is going to basically pull out the huge you know octobank in the middle of the day <laughs> and try to have those very commercially dynamic shots right it's just it's not in line with the look that we that 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 we love with you know very soft natural light incorporating the sun um and so uh that being the case i I say that just use flash when you need it you know don't don't you don't need to pull out this huge lighting setups in the middle of the day just because you can you know like it's i'm a very lazy person to be honest when it comes to um setting up gear and 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 yet at the same time i do want a very heightened and elevated aesthetic when it comes to the nighttime stuff so yes i will put the effort into going and putting that stuff in because i need more light Mm -hmm. you know but if i have the sun or or open shade or you know just available natural light i'm going to use that and i'm going to prioritize that if i have it if i don't then that's when the lights come out so so that's, that's, that's my general rule of thumb. But um, so, yeah, to answer the question about, you know, what, what types of modifiers do I like? It depends on which situation I'm in. You know, if we're um, if I have a little bit more controlled setting without, you know, um, needing to like pull up this huge distracting thing for guests to, to just look at, to, to, to draw their eyes to, rather than pay attention to the speeches going on uh, I'm obviously not going to have this huge, you know, six foot Octobank, like shining <laughs> on the co- No, I'm, you know, I'm, I very much believe into the experience and preserving the experience of the, of, of the clients. But at the same time, if I just need to amplify the lights, um, uh, without distracting too much, then they'll just be, they'll just be, uh, flashes, maybe use like, uh, a couple mag mod modifiers to, um, um, to help me direct light the way that I want them to. Um, yeah, that's pretty much the extent of, of like more of my low key, like lighting setups, but. Um, I do like you know constant lights if I can help it. Um, I shoot a lot of uh, like Asian weddings, and with Asians, you know they tend to talk a lot during uh, the speeches. If, I'm not sure if you've ever like experienced that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so they they don't really stay quiet or pay attention to who's talking. They're all talking with each other, and you just hear this background talk. It's very distracting, and you know totally you know it's it's a cultural thing and something that I I'm not stoked about, but it's, it's a reality I have to live with. So um likewise um i think with many of the asians that i do photograph they kind of expect a little bit more of a higher production quality than what they walk into so it's not uncommon for us to constantly use video light and um you know because they're like ooh ah there's a spotlight it's really important you know there's some type of special thing going on and i feel like if you do have that have a, a very, like, small video light, like, focused on who who's ever doing the speech, and the couple up front at their, at, you know, at, at their table, it just draws everyone's attention into paying attention to something going on. Even if they can't hear something, they see something important going on, and it kind of gets them to shut up and not have that crosstalk. Um, that's what I feel. And, but I know many, many of my uh, of, of people who have taken our workshops, and, like, they talk to me about what happens in their, in their um, you know, a weekend-to-weekend type of situation, they would never in their, you know, um, they, they would just never think to um, put a huge video light, not a huge video, light, but a very bright, distracting video light and shine it onto who's ever talking because it's just, it's just more jarring for the experience of the guests and, you know, the clients that they feel that they're more sensitive to. So, you know, I totally understand that. And it, it varies so much by culture. It varies by location, I feel like. Um, so it's really a case by case scenario, you know, um, when, and, and, you know, I'm talking about just more reception stuff. Um, if we have like a lot more control and I'm not distracting anyone, then, um, there are a few modifiers that I feel that are nice and portable that you can quickly set up that don't take up a lot of space. Um, they're not too much of a pain in the butt. So to set up with, um, uh, certain lights, um, I like the, I think it's a alpha speed box oh, yeah. is what it's called um it's like a very f- quick um uh what do they have i think it's like a 32 i think i have the 32 inch one um like it's a 32 inch octabox that basically you pull the rods and they just snap into place and then it takes literally less than 30 seconds to set up it's amazing oh, awesome. um so i'll you know i'll i'll put that on and maybe just do some detail shots um if i need to 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 amplify the light and just give some directionality um and, you know, I do have time during the reception or d- pre-reception for, um, you know, during cocktail hour and whatnot to get those those detail shots. Um, and a lot of times, if I don't need it because there's natural light, I just won't put it up. Because, again, you know, at that point of the day, you know, you're pretty much zapped. You know, right, yeah. <laughs> you, you've already gotten through the getting ready process. If it's a crazy bridal party, you've got to manage them like, you know, children. Um let's see, you know, like a ceremony, portraits, family session, you know, the the family portraits and whatnot. And then you got to get in and get all the pretty detail shots for the vendors and the planners. So um, at that point, it's like, if there is natural light, I'm just going to go with that. I, I really don't need to, you know, set up this crazy thing. But if I do need to amplify it and to beautify it, because I feel, you know, with many planners, when they are working in a situation where they have this timeline where they're up against, you know, available light from the sun, And the only time that they can get, um, photographers in to do detail shots of the room is after the sun's gone down. Right. And I feel like, um, I think that the typical thing for photographers to do is if they do have any type of, uh, lighting education, they'll just point the flashes, like either, um, bouncing it into the ceiling. And then now you just have a skylight directly shining onto, you know, it's more like, a, uh, it's more like an interview type of, uh, not interview. What am I thinking of? Um, it's just more like a cafeteria lighting type of setup mm-hmm. oh right <laughs> where it, yeah. it, where where it's just literally directly from above and you're just there, there are shadows now just directly underneath all of the you know florals and and all those things, and it's just a little bit less of an elegant look, you know, so anytime that I can think about okay well, there's candles, there's a chandelier, there's sconces, there's you know market lights, these are all different lighting elements that are adding shape and form to. Um, to the elements that you're shooting, you know what I mean? So how can you amplify the directionality and quality of those lights, you know, so that it does seem a little bit more seamless, um, and less obvious, you know, right. Yeah, uh, more I, think, natural. I think that, yeah, right. It, and, and right. Natural being that it's just naturally occurring, not that it's, uh, uh from the sun, right, you know, exactly. so. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that. No, so excited. Yeah. So I'm excited. So for those who li- who are listening, I'm going to the your workshop, Apollo Workshops, in yeah. Baltimore. I'm so excited.
1: Oh, my God. Um, so happy to have I you. I
0: know, in July. And um, yeah, so we met at Hybrid Co. I'll, I'll probably say this in the intro, but if you've made it to the end, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so we met at Hybrid Co, and my friend Kylie took your class, and she raved about it. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Oh, I like, yeah. love Kylie. Love <laughs> Kylie. Yeah. And I and you know, my goal for the year is to shoot more film with Flash, especially for receptions and details and what we've been talking about this whole time. So I wanna talk about the workshop and I want you to tell everybody sort of about it because I feel like we've talked about really good keystone key points and you know, theory and how you think about things. Um, And not just being like a one-stop shop, you know, you have to really think about your scene and how figuring out your style with practice and sort of, Uh you know, using a lot of film to figure out what you like, not just what Jose says you should do, you know?
1: Yeah, (laughs) right.
0: So can you tell everybody listening, you know, what is, you know, what's your workshop about?
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. There we go. (laughs) Well, (laughs) okay. The workshop was created to definitely at least help you understand um, how film works in, in, in a very rudimentary form, whether it's natural light or um, artificial light. And I need to say this because I think many people feel like, oh, what if I don't, re- I, you know, I, I, I'm just getting started. Is this class for me? I'm going to say 100% yes. Um, and really the reason being is because we do dive deep into understanding with each film stock that's available that that is, you know, in production today, um, how does it respond And how is it exposed in certain lighting situations? Um, How do you need to change how you rate uh, and shoot in tungsten light or fluorescent light with those specific film stocks? And I will detail out, uh, no matter which film stock that you prefer, what are the benefits and, you know, what are the pros and cons of each and um, uh, how to really navigate that, whether you're shooting natural or, um, or artificial light. And the big thing really is that I want you to get the results you've been always wanting to and, and expecting from film labs where sometimes you've been, you know, you're, you're, a lab hopper, you know, right? you keep hopping around the labs because you're just not getting the results you want. And the reality is that you may have learned how to shoot film from a free, a quote, 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 unquote, free guide that also got that information telephone passed to them from another person who heard that this is how you're supposed to do it, you know, rather than understanding through trial and error and research and testing Uh, and that's the big thing the thing that really helped me just kind of create all of this in a nutshell and really expedite my learning curve about film is owning my own scanner um i was a film hopper you know i was somebody who went around from lab to lab and just was not satisfied with the results i was getting so you know when it when it boiled down i was like you know what Screw this! I'm gonna go and get my own scanner. I'm gonna figure out how to do this myself, and really have that control. Now, I don't advise anyone else to do this, really, because unless you're a complete, you know, masochist of, uh, or a, <laughs> say, whatever the word you say yeah. is, that you just you love pain, because <laughs> it is a lot of work to scan your own film. So don't don't get me wrong. And that's something that we'll talk about, like what the labs can and can't do, and truly, really, truly to, really, to understand, you know, um, if you really saw how how uh, not optimal your negatives were exposed, you would really have a lot more respect for what labs actually do for you. So, <laughs> you know, like it's a huge thing. It's like you really, uh, I, I definitely understand what the lab goes through because I'm on the scanning side. And also even uh, I do develop my black and whites and I have Goodman film lab who is like 10 minutes down the street from me. They do all my colors, C41, but then I go and I pick it up and I spend, you know, the next good few hours actually scanning and doing my own, uh, color work, and so to be able to do all that and really understand, okay, I know I shot in this light, I shot in this light, uh, or you know I exposed this way, and I you know there was this, this variable, and then when I scanned it, I saw what I could and could not do with that particular exposure, and then I started learning how to tweak and how you know wh- maybe which films were more sensitive and had less latitude than others, um, ones that you know had much more color shifting tendencies than others, uh, if you wanted to go doing pushing, um, like push processing. So I really spent a lot of time, you know, investigating almost every single film stock out there short of doing CineStill because I have my own opinions about that but um, Kodak portrait 160 Ektar 100, you know uh, uh Portra 400, 800, 400 H um, yeah, the list goes on. Even Aquavista 200 and a few of the other 35 millimeter stocks um, you know that are available as well. Um, I played with a lot of that, and I've seen the scanability of each one of those film stocks, and and how much latitude there is depending on the look that you're trying to go for. So, you know what with with the workshop in itself, it, teaching you about how each one of those film stocks works with natural or artificial light is what is the foundation that you need in order to tackle film in every situation that you come across, and then. Good, getting into understanding how to shoot it with natural light because your prerogative really is that you need to supplement natural light because there's not enough of it. Or, you know, this is the only time that a vendor team is is, is can work with you and you need to create a naturally lit, uh, lit, um, aesthetic with that project, you know? So there's just so many different tools about how we can go about, um, teaching you how to work with film in every single regard, natural or artificial. So, um, a big thing also is the the workshop kicks off with just heavy ed- education. Um, the first day introductions, obviously, and just kind of helping you think about what you might want to, uh, you know, h- how you might want to structure your lighting philosophy, which has to derive from your photography philosophy. Um, and there's a lot of critical thinking about how to really identify what that is before you even start to touch lights, you know? Right. Um and then for you know after getting into all the technical stuff that afternoon we get into doing commercial shooting so um, you know I I I would say I'm not sure how many more years I have in the wedding industry but I I really don't want to be you know uh, a forty something dude uh, in the wedding industry just kind of being looked upon as like oh he's getting to he he he's getting into that creepy factor you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ladies you have so many more years to like exploit in this industry and until you feel like you don't want to, you know, do the whole dual camera hold fast thing because your back is starting to give out anymore, then you might transition to a different genre of photography. So this allows you an introduction into seeing, okay, maybe, maybe commercial portraiture is where I want to make my next move in photography or, um, you know, I want to maybe dabble into fashion or, you know, something else in that regard that requires you to understand studio lighting Um, and you can still have a very naturally lit like studio aesthetic. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, those studio setups where you have like four different lights going on that are all triggered together with like five different reflectors and flags that are just like, it's just the most complex lighting uh, setup that obviously doesn't, um, has, has no correlation to a very naturally lit, look
0: right you know and I think people Um, just like I think people think that that's what like studio lighting is right and it doesn't have to be right not at all right
1: yeah the 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 setups that that I teach are very simplistic honestly and it's it's what I prefer because I just don't have the patience to set it up like I said I'm a lazy person like I
0: (laughs) I love it (laughs) there's no way in
1: hell that I'm gonna sit there like you know getting all of these lights uh set up correctly making all these tweaks doing all these tests you know like I, I just have to get a look that looks similar to natural window light, like beautiful natural soft window light, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and and to kind of create some mood and maybe amplify with an, another you know light of separation, and that's at most of what I'm, I'm I'm going through. Yeah. But now you know, talking about brand consistency, you can take what you normally do during the daytime, and also incorporate this this side of your work that's still consistent with all uh, everything else of your work, you know. Yeah um so that's the first day is uh, we we do some commercial setups and then um let's see um oh yeah and then like talk about like all the potential income you could make from headshots right you know like you think that you slave so hard in the wedding industry to get paid peanuts and then you go into commercial photography you're like wait that's all i have to do <laughs> you know like it's bananas it's it's really eye opening so but this this that first day is definitely opening your eyes to what's possible and how you would go about, you know, tackling uh, really common uh, setups that would just be another income generator for you. Right. So that's the first day. Second day gets into, continues into all the technicals and then going through all of the, um, you know, uh, wedding day setups. Like many times we get stuck into these, um, um, into these uh, uh, dark getting ready spaces or windowless getting ready spaces. I can't tell you how many venues here in Southern California where the venue's they really try to upsell you by like saying, oh, well, we have a bridal suite you can get ready in. And anytime I talk to my clients about that, I'm like, okay, can you do me a favor? Can you just take a quick video of what their bridal suite looks like? Because I, I nine times out of 10 don't trust um, that it actually looks good. Like either there are no windows or it's underneath the building <laughs> and there's like pipes and whatnot and all <laughs> these things. It's like, yeah, like, uh, no, you know, like there, there's no way that you can get a naturally lit aesthetic unless you really know how to light um, and recreate a window. Right. And so, um, part of that second day, uh, on, on location at the venue, I think in Baltimore, we're doing, we're going to be at the Silburn Arboretum. Yeah. And oh my gosh, we have an amazing team, uh, lined up and I really can't wait to, um, kind of show you guys the mood board for that. But apart from that, so, uh, we'll be at the Silburn Arboretum. We'll be shooting. I mean, in the indoor space there is really beautiful as it is, but I want to, I want to find the darkest corner in there. And I want to show you, how to create a naturally lit aesthetic in a very, very dark corner. And so you can get those getting ready photos and you don't have to run outside. You know, one objection that I had from a bride uh, early on was that like, Hey, I'd like to take you outside just to get some getting ready photos. She's like, I don't want anyone to see me. There's no way that I'm going outside. I don't even want to have the possibility of him kind of wandering and peeking at my dress before the first look. So it's like, all right, well, i got to work in the space you want to, you know, you got to work with. And if that's the case, You got to know how to light it if it's not optimal, you know, Mm -hmm. for, for your aesthetic. So, so, so that's a big part of, you know, the the days we're going from literally from the beginning to, to the ceremony space, you know, we're incorporating looks and the objective here is I want everyone to know that you can have a consistent look from the daytime, indoors, outdoors, nighttime, whatever the case may be. So that's why we're going to do photography from the getting ready part to moving into the you know, ceremony uh, part and then moving into all the the details of what the day would look like, uh, whether it's the the ceremony details and then the reception details as well. Doing bridal portraits with natural light because everyone wants to have those beautiful natural photos. And then once the sun comes down, then we start, you know, strategizing how to get those looks um, as well. So we have the whole gamut from daytime to nighttime uh, for that editorial. And that's going to be, you know, a, a long day, but very, very, very full and fulfilling day of and information and, and, and really pretty stuff to shoot. And then the last, the second, uh, sorry, the last day, we, we get some of your rolls and we overnight process them and we'll get all the scans back by the end of the third day. So you can actually see how your shots came, whether you wanted to process the rolls from the first day or the second day shoot. And so like, that's the feedback I want you to get is that to know that, Hey, like, it's not just about testing and waiting for two weeks whatever normal processing times are for, you know, labs these days, um, I want you to see them immediately, you know, because that way it gives you a feeling of knowing that, Hey, I can do this. Right. Um, and to see exactly that you've met exposure threshold and you're not disappointed because it's muddy or underexposed. You actually use the tools that I taught you and I wasn't just, you know, blowing smoke up your ass. Right. So um, <laughs> nobody wants you that. Know, yeah. No, no one wants that. So yeah, these are very all tangible concepts that are you know, tied together with, what you normally would expect with a workshop, uh, a fine art workshop that has all of the visual beauty and elements that come along with that, but very, very, very high, um, high octane when it comes to all of the information and education that you're going to receive. Yeah, um, I love that. So I
0: love that.
1: The the last day after we do all of the review of the scans, we're actually going to do film editing. So if you ever get film back from your labs and you don't know how to fix it, you know, you're just not happy with the results. I'm going to show you how to do how to edit your film scans. And then we're going to show you how to um, do consistent digital matching as well with um, with some emulation um, uh, uh, profiles that I absolutely adore. And then finally, we'll do some headshots. I know. Right. That's like, really? Oh my, is there more? Patrick, is there, how much it,
0: how much uh, Red Bull do I have there, to drink?
1: <laughs> it's not about Red Bull. I just want no, you, I'm I, excited. my thing is. I'm not, you know, when I created this thing, I just wanted people to like walk away with this and feel like, wow, I got such a great value from this. You know, like I want this to be super jam packed and hopefully it's not too much. But, you know, I want it to be super jam packed no. with, with just value and just never, you know, feeling that you're, man, I just paid thousands of dollars to someone just to subsidize yet again another workshop of theirs. Like that was one thing that I kept on seeing in our industry year in year out and people just walking away feeling like they didn't really get much other than a pretty photo shoot
0: yeah well they you yeah, know i um, mean this is what you're what you just said is actually is like 100 percent how i feel and i also like started tea with janae because i was so sick and tired of people taking advantage of new mm-hmm. photographers and just like right. pay me pay me pay me and then you're going to pay for my shoot and then you walk away with ten pictures that ten other people have with no, no- with right. no knowledge. So that's why, like, a, your workshop, Apollo workshops, just sounds. And I know from my friend who went, like, it's just it's all tangible, actionable advice, and it's a, an investment in, your, in yourself and in your business. And that's that's yeah, why definitely. it's I appreciate- yeah, it's going to be amazing.
1: I appreciate that. I'm Thank so you. excited.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I'll definitely do a so, recap, and I'm sure I'll story, and uh, yeah, yeah, we'll do a, a podcast uh, recap about it. It'll be fun.
1: I appreciate. I know. I'm just like I can tell you even more. We'll go on for another two hours about
0: it. And <laughs> like, I might as well start
1: teaching you guys things now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna link all the information in the show notes, so everybody can find out more about you. Uh, you. They can find out about the workshop, and hopefully, you guys will go. And we'll see you there.
1: Yeah. Oh, and if um, let's see. Why don't we just create a, a promo code for any of the listeners if they want to if they if they are interested and they want to save, let's say a hundred bucks. Um, uh, I will. Um, let's do, um, T with J one hundred. Is that yeah? That's is perfect. That, oh is that a good goodness,
0: code? It's so exciting! Yeah. Okay,
1: so T with J one hundred. You I type that in during the checkout. It saves you a hundred bucks, and um, hopefully that'll help incentivize you. Yeah, again if there's any questions feel free to email and dm and i'm more than happy to talk yeah
0: oh my gosh because uh, thank you patrick that's so exciting what a surprise you guys course, i didn't know that course. was gonna happen yay <laughs> yeah
1: sure of course why not that's awesome yeah.
0: thank you so much for being on the show i'm so happy to have you here and i can't so, wait to thank see you, you soon
1: i appreciate it yeah anytime
0: thank you bye
1: all right bye this episode is brought to you by
0: shopify that's it you guys what an incredible show today a huge huge thank you to Patrick I had a great time chatting and I really can't wait to see you again in Baltimore and learn everything that we talked about it's going to be really exciting and a big thank you um, to giving our listeners that special discount code so Patrick emailed me after the show with the real code name it's going to be TWJ100 And that will save you guys $100 off of his Apollo workshops. Off any workshop, no matter where you're listening, you can use it and save $100 just for being a TWHNA listener. How exciting is that? Thank you, Patrick. We really appreciate it. You can visit Patrick online at www.patrickleefoto.com, and you can go to www.apolloworkshops.com to find out more about the, the workshops and I will leave all this information in the show notes so you guys can just click on the link say hi to Patrick and let him know that you listen to the show so thank you again so much for listening and I can't wait to share our next cup of tea together bye you guys